hundreds of pages, thousands of words, millions of letters. Welcome to the Kanja Book Club. The price of admission? Fifty thousand. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Concha Book Club. Now that I've officially started the recording software we use to do this thing, we are the weekly Star Wars Book Club podcast brought to you by the Utini Podcast Network. This is the show where we intentionally experience Star Wars stories together one month at a time. And today we are talking Into the Dark by Claudia Gray, chapters 21 through 26. This is episode 33. 33 episodes. Absolutely wild. We still can't figure out how to start this show properly. <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Timothy Guthrie, and I am here with everyone's favorite sack of gravel, Adam Dyson. How you doing, friend? Sack of gravel. Listen to this so- thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm building off of last week, you know, where you can't quite live up to geode, and so you're just gravel. It's all, it's sh- all fine. I could just leave at any point. I don't have to take this abuse. No, please don't leave. We talked about how difficult it was in the <laughs> chat earlier to host a show solo. <laughs> well, I'm doing okay. I was I'm I'm the drunk all today. I had a wine last night. Watched some Moulin Rouge. Was introduced yep. to Lady Gaga, and it was a pretty good night. But it's five o'clock in the morning now, so. Feeling. What a night partying like Geode himself, my man. Well done. <laughs> No one can so party pretty. like Geode. We can only pretend and just attempt to be as great as the great Geode. Yeah. Well, and uh, our our favorite Drunkle, even though you are filling his shoes today, our, our favorite Drunkle is off living his best Geode life. Um, I think he's attending a wedding this week. That man goes to so many weddings. I'm proud of him, though, including his own. I mean, that's an important one to show up for. But he is not with us this week. Um, again, because he's living his best Geode life. I'm trying to imagine Geode at a wedding. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he would be the groomsman that passes out because he's had way too much to drink before the wedding. Like, does that and sound then, accurate? I th- yeah, I think so. And then people mistake him for, like, an outdoor bench. And they sit on <laughs> yes. it. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, oh, man, it is too hot at this outdoor wedding. I'm going to sit on this beautiful rock <laughs> that is sweating because he's... <laughs> Oh, and he's man. probably cold-blooded, so it'd be nice and cool to sit on. Right. Yeah. Which, uh, can we talk about that, that GIF that I posted earlier in the chat um, with with The Rock walking out? Like, check out that shirt and just the, the eyebrow raise. Like, you know that's how Geode just walks into any room that he's entering. Um, and, I'm, and I'm looking beautiful at this. Beautiful specimen. I'm looking at this GIF right now, Timothy, and it's one of those images of GIFs. You know when you see it on Twitter and they're like images that you can hear? I can hear yes. the Rock's entrance theme right now <laughs> and pretending mm-hmm. that's Geo. <laughs> <laughs> so freaking epic. So epic. Well, I'm glad that you are here. Um, I'm glad to have all of our friends listening in as well. Uh, we are live in Discord every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, and our episodes the Teeny Network feeds every Tuesday morning around midnight. However you're listening to us, welcome. A couple of quick updates. On the Utini front, Utini Network front, all of our shows are out in the world, out in the ether, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, Go in, leave us a nice review on iTunes. That'd be super dope. Um, Also, while you're there, giving us some some love, give some love to Cafes and Star Wars Archives and Legends Look Back. And I guess the guys over the Living Force. I have no beef with them. They all right. 
give them some love too if you haven't done that yet we would appreciate it it'll help people find us adam do you have a criticism of the living force you look like you're about to to just give them something yeah we they are taking all our ideas for their round tables right now we're doing the books first timothy and then they come in and then they get all the fanfare but we both know that charles is just listening to these shows and he's just writing his little notes and they're all our opinions you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Don't at me, Charles. How dare he? You beautiful gentleman. You don't at me. You know what you're doing. <laughs> he, uh, I don't know. It, for as much as the guy loves Obi-Wan, it, it sounds like he's got a little mace attitude stealing from us, right? Taking some res- taking some of our responsibility, some of our credit. He How seems rude. like it. He, I reckon he believes that, that Mace Windu's running around 1313 right now. He's that guy. <laughs> he is. <laughs> He is. Oh, man. Well, do we have any Discord updates? Anything Anything that you want to share with the good people? No, we keep, we're just tracking along. We're getting pretty close to 1,000 members, though, so that's pretty exciting. That's wild. Um, people I'll tell your to, friends. I have to speak with the, the boss, but when we hit 500, we gave away some merch, so maybe I can convince the chief financial officer, Mr. Timothy Guthrie, if we can maybe give a little bit of merch out to celebrate a thousand members, I'll, uh, just putting him on have, the putting him on the spot, everyone. Have <laughs> have your people talk to my people, and uh, we'll see if we can't work something out. All right, all right, <laughs> all right. No, I, I, I have it on good authority that that my people should be should be cool with that. So you, see, you uh, heard you, it here first. I don't. I'm just a lonely Discord administrator, Timothy. I don't have people, but you, you have, have people. This is where the Patreon money's going, people. <laughs> Listen, you say that you're just the lonely Discord community manager, but if you wanted to, you could you could lead a revolt of the 950 plus people that we have in here or whatnot. Like, I don't know. You you could take that in your hands if you wanted to. Good. I would like to be known as El Presidente. Adam, <laughs> El Presidente Adam, uh, nice. We need, we need like a field if, marshal. I'm happily will take you, teeny field marshal. <laughs> I I feel like if we gave you that title, you would pull uh, what the European Soccer League or sorry, Soccer League European Super League tried to do uh, mm. this last week and usher us into a. Um, I'm trying to think of how best to describe it. A. Uh, a, a cluster, a uh, uh, a very haughty, full of themselves. I don't think I want you to be like that. You know, I, I want to be here for the people. True. I'd, I'd call. My, I'd, I'd be happy to be called Grand Admiral. But did you see that new image of Thrawn floating around? It's beautiful. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I can't pull it off. Look at him. That's a, that's a that's a man that doesn't just pay for his date's dinner. That's a man that pays for the entire restaurant's dinner. Am I right? Oh, that, that chist ceremonial armor or uniform is just something special. And it's so practical, too. He's mm. like, oh, I got a war to fight? Hold my, hold my medals. <laughs> you know when he's taking Ariane out for a dinner, he's just ripping that medal string off. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait to talk about that next week um, with our favorite person, maybe ever. Cheryl Bell will be joining us the entire month of May to talk about Thrawn Ascendancy, greater good. Super excited to get her on here. 
Um, trying to think if we have any other updates. No, Patreon I think stuff. this is this was our monthly um, takeover Utini update. Yeah, we're just making a list. That's Eventually, good. Eventually, yeah, we're changing the foundational five. We're taking over. We're making new positions. Timothy will be promoted to Lord Commander of Utini, and then Ooh. we'll be t- <laughs> yeah, Ooh, like that I one. like the sound <laughs> of that. That's good. Ooh, I got chills. I can feel it. Change is coming. What's a military coup between friends? Yeah. <laughs> it's all it's all fine. It's it's not a coup if you're not if you don't listen to anybody else about it. <laughs> no other opinions welcome here. This is the right direction. Um but our coup, you know, could use some funding. We we could use some support. Mm. Uh if you would like to contribute to our coup, uh we are watching Bad Batch, May the fourth. So if you are on Patreon, um, our Inquisitorious tier and up starts at just $10 a month. You can get in and watch it with the entire staff that will soon be overthrown by Adam and I. So, uh, yeah, Lord Commander and El Presidente. Man, uh, give us give us a show. Give us a show on Disney+. Plus. I think, I think that's got a nice ring to it. We could maybe rival Captain America or I was going to say Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think we could totally pull off a show like that, you think? Yeah, but I think you'd go all diva on me, Timothy. You have your own trailer and you want to be part of the group and you just be too cool and then you'd ask for half my salary and all these different things. We both know how it's going to I'd ask for more than half. <laughs> Way more than half. Who do you think I am? You'd be like, I'm the chief financial officer of Utini. I want what I'm due. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's talk some Into the Dark, shall we? That's why the good people are here. That's what they want. I think we should give it to them. So let's get into it. This week, we are covering chapters 21 through 26, the finale of Claudia Gray's Into the Dark. This is your spoiler warning, so if you haven't read the book and you plan to do so soon, please continue at your own risk. This is a long one, so bear with us. 25 years earlier, we're going to start there this week, Castle thinks that his world and Thandekas can be friendly now. Thandeka agrees and is thankful to have something to look forward to, finally. The Jedi arrive on the scene, but Orla's instincts are in conflict with her training. As they burst into action, Lord Isamur shoots towards Thandeka, but at the last second, Castle jumps in the way. As he dies, he encourages Thandeka to go back to her queen. Orla thinks that if she had gone after Isamur like her instinct told her to, maybe everyone could have been kept alive. Is the Force wrong? Or is the training from the Order wrong? When all is wrapped up, the Directorate... Isamer's group, is ended and the remaining fragments are arrested. We learn that the Huts use the Directorate as a ploy, a distraction, and now that they're the only threat to the frontier, they'll be ready to rule whenever they deem it a worthy time. Those friggin' Huts. Fast forward to the present day, and Wreath is racing back to the station with the Dringer not far behind. As they get back, he and Dez find themselves trapped between chaos and the man-eating vegetables, as Patrick referred to them last week. The chaos includes an onslaught of Nile, who have been upended by a thermal detonator thrown by Affy, and Orla and Comac overpowering Hag and his angry compatriots. Wreath pushes the Dringer back from the door and then pushes the transport back on them, killing them instantly. Dez remembers more as he gets further away from the Dringer, and they eventually run into Comac. Affy gets caught by a Nile, sees lightsabers, gets free, gets a hold of Leox. He tells her to get the heck out of there, but she has a chance to save everyone. Geode is calm, the vessel is safe, but Leox has to go after her. 
Flair's about to disintegrate the ships around the station, and his safety means absolutely nothing compared to Affy's. Orla also looks for Affy as Comac holds off the Nile. Wreath makes his way back to the lower rings to reactivate the shields to prevent from being damaged by the flares, and on his way back, he picks up a blaster and finds Nan with her own drawn on him. She is both Nile and little girl. The group offered her a chance, much like Affy and the guild, but she mocks Wreath and his Jedi showmanship, but gives him one chance to walk away, since he did save their lives after all. As the Nile continued to skirmish, Comac sees a shadow, but... It, it can't be. D- did he see Geode? Meanwhile, Affy's at war between love of her mothers. As she climbs up the station to gather more evidence, she runs into Leox, who convinces her it's not worth dying in an attempt to trying at saving Scover's soul. Back in the chaos, the Nile need to be distracted so that our heroes can get away, and Orla thinks it's about time to let the Dringer free again. Um, I'm sorry, no. Wreath is not thrilled with the idea, and when it proves too difficult to remove the barrier the barrier, Orla destroys one of the idols. When the Dringer attack, they take off towards the Nile. The warriors release a gas in the midst of the plant creatures, but they are not phased, so the Nile abandon their plans. Affy is shocked by the damage that she's caused, but it looks like the wreckage has been moved around somehow. Who did it? The vines are growing at a rapid pace, and they've now wrapped around their ship, but Geode is nowhere to be seen. He he just doesn't know when to walk away from a fight that... that... Great, great character. Comac and Orla have a responsibility to make sure that everyone is safely aboard, but Wreath is also nowhere to be found. He wants to make sure the station is unable to be of use to the Nile or the Dringer, so he fires away every single transport. As he makes his way back to the ship, Leox calls. He has to save his friends, even at the expense of his own life, and he thinks that that's the answer to why no Jedi can cross the Kyber Arch alone. In an attempt to buy everyone time, he opens the airlock so Nile and Dringer are all sucked out while he clings with everything that he has to the ladder nearby. As he detaches from the wall and prepares to die, he feels a thud. Geode, our freaking lord and savior, stands in the way, saving his life. <sighs> As the dust settles, the station is now just an arboretum. The Dringer are gone, but the Nile will be back for revenge eventually. Upon returning to Coruscant, our crew wraps up their journeys. Scover tries to reason with Affy, and while theoretically she could take over the guild one day, it could be decades. But the indentured servants just don't have that kind of time. Affy goes to the government offices that regulate shipping and turns in the guild. Officials arrest Scover immediately, and now that the guild is suspect, the vessel is free to do as it pleases under command of its senior official. Leox claims that he's just a captain, so the vessel now belongs to a very shocked and very delighted Affy. Dez is still struggling, both physically and mentally, but he's doing a little bit better. While the spice from Leox coming back from the station helped temporarily, he decides to go on a, to a contemplation world. A contemplation world. Sorry, my, my English. For the Baresh vow. He's shaky and needs to regain his strength and fill in the cracks where the Dringer broke him. Service to the Force doesn't just mean doing the things you want to do. Wreath prepares for the worst punishment from the Order, and when they finally meet, the Council approves that while the risks were not wise, they were selfless. He, Orla, and Comac will just get a stern warning, but no discipline at this time. Orla is ready to get out into the space on her own with her brand new ship, the Lightseeker. I love it. Comac is happy for her, but he needs direction within the Order itself. Needs that structure. He takes some time to meditate when Wreath lets him know that he wants to become his Padawan. Comac is in the midst of a very interesting time. He's had doubts about the Order and needs to be honest about his feelings regarding the dividings of the Force. Why can't a Jedi cross the Kyber Arch alone? 
It's because it wouldn't be without all the Jedi who came before. Wouldn't be there. That's about us more than me. Comac agrees to Reith's request. They are now master and apprentice. We flash forward just a bit to the opening of Starlight Beacon. Reith ponders whether he is meant to live the adventures so he can also be the one to tell them. He sees Queen Thandeka speaking, and the two stories from this book all come together now. Her world and Castle's world didn't listen to each other, but now they will. Starlight is in honor of that effort, and anything can happen now. And on a less hopeful front, we see Nan, kneeling before Markeon Roe. Her guardian died in the attack at the station, but it's not her fault. And Roe, the big bad that he is, ends the story saying that the Nile will be the destruction of the Jedi. Woo! What a book ending! Got Markeon Roe showing up in here? Like, what? Adam, how you feel about this ending? I'm just still reeling from Geode and what Geode did. He saved the day! Mostly just trying to figure out how he got there so quickly. Does he teleport? Does he have little legs? Is he one? Is he part of the force? I don't get it. I just, I need to. Also, how heavy is he? Like, to not be sucked out, but just to be able to stand there and for Wreath to smack him like he's immovable? But how? Like, Like, next, the Living Force will no doubt interview Claudia Gray again. Yeah. And if they could just be like, hey, Claudia. Seriously, though, how, what's the go with Geode and just discuss Geode <laughs> for 60 minutes? Can, I don't No other questions. I will up my Patreon just to get my questions. <laughs> right? Right? I, I have so, so many things that I need to know about him. Um, but I just... Ugh. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great ending. Like, I wasn't... We discussed it a little bit, but... Like, I still didn't really see the Kyber Arch thing kind of was a bit of a meh thing for me a little bit. But um, yeah. I, I, I did really love the pairing of Comac and Wreath. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, when I finished this book, I, I think I walked away from Into the Dark with, uh, like, Comac had become my favorite High Republic character. Right. After this, like, he is the Qui-Gon of the High Republic. And just maybe even taking it a bit further, and the fact that he took on Wreath, which I th- and Wreath, I think, identifies with just readers a lot more than a lot of other Jedi I have probably in the past. With the fact that he isn't this, I'm just going to swing my lightsaber everywhere and pew pew. Like he just he's just a normal individual. He likes his books, and in the end, that's what we're all here for. Yeah. Um, we're we're part of Utini because we like to read, we like to study lore, and we like to do this. So I just, yeah, I love that pairing at the end. And, and Marcion Row, like, I'm not going to pretend to do the voice. If we do the voice, everyone's going to be like, that's not Eric's perfect <laughs> Marcion <Yep>. Row voice. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that it's it's another piece of connectivity, um, mm. you know, within this grand adventure that we're on now. Um, and just how much weight he still carries. I mean, he gets like three lines, but like it. It's, it matters so much because of what we saw in Light of the Jedi, and I think that's so cool. And I'm just I – should, I should point it out because the, uh, a comment by Alexander in the chat has just completely reminded me of this fact. But the fact that Orla got the term Lightseeker for her mm. ship yeah. in a galaxy of like 2 billion star systems, the Lightseeker was available. 
It's like when you're playing an MMO and you put like this name in that you know from the universe that you're about to play in and you somehow get it in the excitement. I think yep. of this whole story, that must have been like the, the biggest bit of Aula. Like that was she was, that was the happiest <laughs> she had felt in her whole life when she got Lightseeker. <laughs> I, I felt that way. I feel that way about like trying to find an email account handle or like, you know, a, a Twitter handle. Mm. Um, like trying to Yeah, that's that's amazing. What the the it's will like of you, the force. You it's know? like when you put in like something in your domain name and you forget I forget like dot AU for like a major chain and dot com of that chain is somehow available and you ponder buying it just to you know to watch the world burn right it's, it's kind of like that you hope, hope to hold it for ransom someone's eventually going to pay you thousands of dollars you know in 17 years for it yeah it yeah. was worth it for that that 3.99 i paid a month to hold on to so, this finally so just, making it all back so just by that part of the book alone all i uh, got a happy ending yeah yeah <laughs> Well, and I love I I love the uh you know briefly I guess we can talk about it I I love that she's she technically finds herself in the position of a way seeker, but to give it a little bit more definition that it's not just that she's looking for a way she's looking for light within that I think that's beautiful, mm. Um, mm. and it's I don't know well done well done Claudia Gray once again <laughs> just just giving us the good stuff. Um, well, let's talk about the uh, I guess a little bit about the earlier section. Um, how, how did you feel about the way that these stories tied together the, the 25 years earlier? And then we kind of saw it wrap up there at the end. It, it's like for some people, I know it kind of fell off a little, it fell a little flat maybe. Um, but I feel like the second time around, it was like a mini story that was supposed to help influence the larger story and be like, I don't know, even though like this little event can have ramifications that are going to stretch decades beyond and it's going to matter. I don't know. How did you feel about the way it was all tied up? I think like many, I felt that the 25 years earlier was just, I don't know, it didn't really resonate with me a lot during the main portion of the book. And then at the end of the day, it was so we could see all uh, not listen to the force. Something goes horribly wrong and then as you said, it links to the end of the present day story where she is listening to the force. She's going to go um, be a wayfinder and do what the force is telling her to do. It was just like, a, it seemed like a long way of getting to that point. Um, yeah. It, for me, I think it was kind of like, it was felt a little short story material, like maybe remove it from into the dark and have it as like a little bit of tie in material. Why is all like this, et cetera, et cetera. And then instead of having to, kind of break it down as we go through the main story yeah like like detach it from where how it exists in the book and put it at the end as like a oh hey here's here's this or as a as a lead-in short story online or something like that um yeah i don't know that it it impacted the story much i guess um like at at large kind of like mike is saying but i could definitely tell at the end like seeing her seeing thandaka i should say um, you know, giving her little speech, um, you know, particular to that region. Um, it's like it was supposed to have some weight. And I, I think you could you could kind of stretch it to give it importance, but you kind of have to do a little bit of work on that your own, maybe. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily justified. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think that's why if we were to remove it and add it to like the short story format that Canon has done a little bit of, but like Legends really love the short stories 
yeah. in a collection, in a collection of High Republic short stories revolving around the Jedi when they're younger might could sounds pretty cool to me. Um, but yeah, it just felt very misplaced a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about the huts though. Do you, do you think that that was that that's misplaced? Um, <laughs> they're they're using the directorate, right? This this random group, I guess. And so now that they've kind of created this intentional group to be defeated, now there's a void, and they're going to step in and and rule the galaxy. Do you think we're going to see that within the two hundred something years, um, you know, leading up to, or would you argue that the huts control more, or do you think that they just absolutely fell flat and they never actually rule anything what, what what do you think about the huts here i think i'd love like you're right we are 200 and something years from when we see jabba in a position of power in the outer rim and like i'm even thinking to some of the clone wars arcs where we see the, yeah. the ruling council of the of the huts and they're clearly quite a powerful force in the outer rim and they have to have got there at some point <laughs> there has to be some work involved no doubt and like you look at legends and the huts are pretty powerful for thousands of years um you know they even pop up in star wars the old republic mmo and that kind of thing um but i'd love to see like a criminal organization doing this kind of thing and getting to where they are i love those gritty stories and we and yeah. you know this book gave us that a little bit like a little bit of a tease yeah, it, it did seem like a big tease for something major that could come down the line. Um, yeah, I, I love that. Mike mentions there's a, a connection to the comic, too. And honestly, I have, I'm a little bit behind on the comics myself. Um, I, I feel like a terrible person. <laughs> he is a terrible person, but I've also kind of fallen behind. I'm only up to, like... Three, issue three. <laughs> I think that's I think that's about where I am too. Um, no, I am I am so looking forward to um, to catching up on those. And Mike, I, I think that this little this little shout out here is going to make me do this right. At I am not a terrible person, Jared. Calm down. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, I'm looking forward to uh, to to reading those. I will do that as soon as uh, as soon as we hang up. As soon as we get off of this, I feel like we're on a phone call. Um, as soon as as soon as I'm done. I'll, I'll read this, I promise. And then, Adam, I promise I'll also keep reading DC Rebirth like I promised you like a month ago. Yeah, so he promises a lot of things, everybody. I promise so much. I'm so behind on things I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> so much I need to do. Um, let's talk about Affy. You know, she's... She's a really fun character to read about. Um, she had a lot of different directions that she could have gone in this book. And she actually stood um, on conviction and turned in her foster mom. Um, you know, did, did you see this coming, uh, that she would make this choice? And, and what is it that we're supposed to be able to learn from her? Um, or that, you know, young adults reading this, I mean, I'm, I'm an adult and I'm learning from her every day. But, you know, what are, what are we supposed to learn from her? I think Effie's story revolves very much around one's integrity and that growing integrity as as you grow into adulthood because we saw a lot in this book that she just she she kind of knew what was happening but she just wasn't quite ready to to do what she did at the end of the book and kind of hand in scover to the authorities that was the journey that we saw and leox was i think integral to her story just the yeah. respect that he showed her as an individual and just allowed Affie to kind of you know find out 
these things on her own and like Leox would only step in when her life was in literal danger but I think that relationship was very special and when it comes down to it that's what like this it is a young adult story so there's Affy, Nan and Wreath all on their own stories and their own endings and yeah it was nice to see Affy finally turn her in I think as we were reading it they're like just do it just do it but we're adults yeah. right we've been through our own journey and, and we know what we do but she has to figure it out on her own well, and I think you bring up a really interesting point about her relationship with Leox and the trust that she felt with him. I mean, Scover, you know, she she mentioned often throughout the book that, you know, Scover is a bival. And so there's not a whole lot of, of care. There's not a whole lot of empathy from her species um, and even just from her as a person. And I, I think it's really interesting that Leox gave her the space and trusted her to make some decisions on her own. But when it finally mattered and he was like, you can't keep doing this. She felt like that was earned because he had never done that before. Whereas anytime that she tried to talk to Scover, she just kind of brushed stuff under the rug, you know, don't worry about it. It's, it's not that big of a deal, but I think that relationship really mattered. And I think about some of the relationships that have impacted me in the past. And anytime that, you know, anything has been kind of brushed under the rug or, um, uh, or someone's tried to force something on me, right? I've always kind of pushed back. I've always been a little bit hesitant. But if there's some trust there and, and you kind of give me some space to figure it out and then you gentle nudge one way, like I might be more willing to listen to that gentle nudging. Does that make sense? Oh, most definitely. And <clears throat> I think for Leox, he was more than happy for Afi to stumble. He just kind of picked her up and just pushed her forward. Like, But he just let her make her own mistakes and come to her own conclusions. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting lesson that, that we can learn, you know, even as, as grown adults, you know, reading a young adult novel, you know, that we, we have to be able to trust people to make their own mistakes and to learn from their lessons and to stand on, on their principles and to give them the space to do that. Um, I don't know. That's something I was not expecting to learn from this book, uh, but I was glad to to get it here. Um, and then let's talk about Nan and Heg, a little bit different. Um, ooh, sorry, I'm distracted by uh, Legolas in the chat. If y'all aren't in the Discord chat, man, y'all y'all gotta get in here. Um, I love that that you are Gimli in this situation, though. Uh, this is a phenomenal comparison. I love this, Jared. You are you are to, all wise. To be fair, that is a apt comparison considering you're about nine foot tall (laughs) (laughs) this is true (laughs) this is true um unfortunately i don't have you know flowing hair you know a beautiful mane uh like like legolas does but i'm 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 determined to try next time you go to the zoo you cannot jump on the elephant with your with your bows and your three arrows that's wrong (laughs) (laughs) i'm just i'm just reminded of of gimli it still only counts as one (laughs) my favorite line in two towers it's it's so good since this has turned into a middle earth uh, story podcast and we have Jared <laughs> to thank for this. The best part of the two towers is when yep. he's sitting on the orc and he has an axe in the orc's head and Legolas goes and shoots it. Yes. <laughs> then they argue about the nervous system. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> the axe is buried in his nervous system. <laughs> oh, you're right. Touche. You got me. This. 
This is their their dynamic is so great. It's what we strive for every day here on Conjunct like, Club. See, Jared has kind of filled in for Patrick because if Patrick was here, he'd be the one that is making all the random segues, and now Jared right. is filling in. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being a valuable part of this community, Jared. You are you are loved and valued and cherished deeply. Um, someone who's not very cherished deeply in my mind is Nan. Um, I'm I'm really not confused, I guess. Um, you know, we get a little bit more of of Hague's like why he's holding them at Blaster Point, like the the whole revelation um revelation that they are Nile was I think supposed to be pretty impactful for the book, and I think it was for me. You know, he's angry, he's old. Um he knows that they're going to be at risk of probably being, you know, shifted and punted out into space, you know, for, for failing and ending up on the station. So he needs to try to redeem that. And so they learn as much as they can about the Jedi and stuff. And I was really interested that Nan let Wreath go. Um, and, you know, we know she says it's because, you know, they saved her life right from the flares whenever they, you know, grappled on to their ship and pulled it in. Um, but I'm wondering, even though she ends up going to Mark Yonro at the end, do you think there's a chance that she turns hero at some point? Because I don't see any of the other Nile doing anything like Nan did. Is it like she's just naive little girl? Or like, do you think that maybe Wreath could have left an impact on her? Love, Timothy. Love. <laughs> no. <laughs> Are- are they are they the next great yeah, Obi Wan and Satine? This is a great novel, so love. <laughs> but in <laughs> okay. all seriousness, I don't think that <clears throat> like the fact that N- Nan let Wreath go, I think, is a, a very big thing because, as you said, that's very different to what we probably expect from the Nile at this point. Um, I may be wrong, and please correct me, but I have not seen this type of mercy from the Nile yet, and no, it is only early days. There are only four issues into one comic, three into another. I've only seen like three or four releases of actual books. But I think this is a huge step for Nan. And if she's willing to do this, there might be a little bit of doubt. Like she's kind of seen another side to life in the universe. And I'd love to see a Nile redeem- be redeemed like that. And I think Wraith could really help Nan get there. Yeah, I think the only other Nile that we've maybe seen just kind of hesitate, but maybe more hesitate at the idea of Markeon Rowe than being Nile is Lorna D, right, in Light of the Jedi. Um, and we're about to get a whole, you know, story about her from Kevin Scott. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, like you, I'm interested. I would love to see more of these Nile characters like question or, you know, be influenced in some way, shape or form. And something happens to them. I mean, like we don't hear of the Nile, you know, post, um, you know, prequel era. Like we, we don't see them around then. So I don't know, maybe they, something cataclysmic happens to them or maybe they all go straight. It's like a great pairing as well with Wreath in that Wreath isn't your, he was a cookie cutter, between the lines Jedi, but now yeah. he's with Comac and you I think that that will broaden his horizons and the idea of a member of the Nile kind of leaving that organization and him being there to help her. I think he'd be more open to that too. So I think there, are, I think the pairing is also very deliberate. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's a good point. And, you know, talking about Wreath, like 
we learned a lot about him and, and he grew a lot in this story. Um, and what do you think about his kind of conclusion, his his kind of ending statement of maybe I'm the one that's supposed to go out and live the story so that I can tell them? Um, as opposed to, you know, he started off just let me let me live in the library. Let me you know tell all these fun stories and his understanding of maybe I'm the one that's actually supposed to be out there doing good. Um, what do you think that turn meant for him? I think it took a lot for him to get there. I think it was, again, we spoke about the fact that this is a young adult story and that they are on their own individual journeys. And this was Reese's journey, that there was a yeah. a little bit of fear about leaving his comfort zone. And he did that in like a gigantic way, literal fighting trees. I want to eat him to get to then to, to get to this point. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so I really liked his story as a whole. Cause I think, as I said before, of all the Jedi we've probably seen in the High Republic, he's one of the Jedi that many of us relate to the most. He's the most, quote, normal of the ones that we have seen. Like, I think a lot of us might yeah. think Comac is someone that we can relate to, but he literally levitates in the air. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe not so much his, his prowess and the Force, but, you know, at least, at least. His mm. mental track seems to be pretty close yeah, to where I think Reith that is. many of us live on the introverted side of life, and I think Reith does too. And it just, I think it shows readers that sometimes you just have to take the gamble and step outside, and just see what the world and all the all the galaxy yeah. in Reith's case kind of has for you. Yeah, sometimes you just have to do the hard thing, even if you don't want to. Um, and I think that that's you know you we've brought brought up a couple of times his relationship with Comac. You know, I I love Comac. Reading this again, like my gosh, he is such a phenomenal character, and the way that he, you know, is is a little bit more academic. The way that he still, you know, wrestles, he allows himself to wrestle with the things that he believes and stands for, and just his honesty and like the principled stands that he continues to take as he works through his convictions is such a breath of fresh air to me, um, and I loved everything about that. And I think I love most the fact that they, that he did get paired up with wreath in the end. Um, I love it for, you know, their shared experiences of grief. You know, they've both went through very similar things, losing their masters. And I think it's really, really interesting that he's so blunt with wreath too. Like, look, I've got my problems. I've, I've got some things I need to figure out. Um, but I think that I could learn a lot of, a lot of stuff from you. Um, you know, this principled, wizened, older master is willing to listen to his Padawan um, and to try to take on some things together as they work through their grief together, because it's very similar. You know, maybe Comac can can take some of Wreath's, um, you know, wanting to stand and it being a little bit more fresh for him, having lost Jorah Malie. You know, maybe he can help get through his own stuff as he aids wreath through his trauma. Um, I, I want to see that, like give me more of the two of them together and just really getting into the nitty gritty of life and working through it. Um, I, it's so good. It's so good. What do you have anything more you want to say on that pairing? No, nothing more than I just, I love the pairing. Um, I think, yeah. You know, as I said before, Wreath was this cookie cutter Jedi, very much black and white, no real gray, to then be paired after really a traumatic experience, though it was an adventure, to then be paired with Comac, who 
Yeah, it really reminds me of the relationship between like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, especially the relationship that we see early in Master and Apprentice where Qui-Gon is really filling the Comac yeah. role and then we have Obi-Wan who's still in that kind of Jedi dogma of black and white um, that we then kind of see in the start right. of The Phantom Menace. That re- The relationship like, reminds me of those two. Yeah, they're, they're great. <laughs> uh, give me more, please. Please. Um, I did love, you know, there was a little bit, um, <laughs> Alexander says, uh, we also happen to have in this story a uh, an adult, it, it's not too much of a spoiler or anything, but we also have a murderous teenage girl involved <laughs> in, in the relationship dynamic. So I'm, I'm right there with you. That's hilarious. Um, you know, one little fun connection was Comac mentioned, you know, towards the end of the story that he needed a Colto rinse, um, which is a really cool reference. And Colto was the Bacta substitute that was used during ancient times back in Nice the Old Republic. Um, and Light of the Jedi actually had talked about the fact that Bacta um was not very widespread yet during the high republic um and the Selkath, who actually manufacture colto um are still an important force so i thought i think it's really cool that we're getting a lot of those little connections here and, and they're not um you know legends is not dead <laughs> I, I love that they're finding ways to to give it some more life and to reincorporate some things and to give some teases you know to those that um that kind of absorb everything and read everything i i love it um, let's talk about Des briefly, you know, like the poor kid is super broken, um, but he's, he's getting a little bit better. Um, at the end of the book, he decides to take the Barash vow, um, which was introduced, you know, prominently in the first arc of Charles Soule's Darth Vader run. Um, and it's, you know, supposed to be this commitment that Jedi take to gain a deeper connection with the force. Um, and they could spend, you know, decades if they wanted to, you know, in solitude and meditation. Um, I also recently read uh, Dawn of the Jedi Into the Void. Um, and that was, it, it reminds me a little bit of that too, um, of, you know, going and, and spending some time on on a moon reflecting on on whether, you know, you're too good or maybe too bad. But what did you think about the Barash Val and, and Des taking it? I really loved seeing it again, just in general. We've only seen it once during Soul's Dark Lord of the Sith run. And yeah, that super bad a Jedi dude, yeah. like the all gray, the yeah. white pony. Like, now, man. spoiler alert, it didn't really end well for that dude. But it was, <laughs> it, it, it was it, it a didn't. really, it was a really <laughs> cool epic. concept. And like, I love seeing it in something that isn't Charles Soul's own story. Um, like, you know that you know yeah. Cordier and Charles probably talking about it, and they just agreed that this is something that could be brought up again. And just, yeah, literally just cutting yourself off from the universe and just becoming one with the Force. And I think, like, for Dez, that's huge because Dez is that steroid. He just seemed like the jock of the Jedi Order. Like, he's just go, go, go. And just the adventurous, out there, loud Jedi for him to go through such a traumatic event to then kind of just have to walk away and contemplate everything that has happened to him yeah well and it's it's cool i think because we see three characters handle their issues with the force and the order very differently um and now that we can throw des in here you know wanting to spend all of this time and contemplation you know taking this vow 
to live in solitude, right? You've got him going that particular direction with it, trying to fill in, you know, the cracks of his life and, and his mental understanding of the force and everything because of all the poison and, and the abuse that he took from the Dringer. You've got Komak, who's like, I've got my own issues with the force and I'm going to stay inside the system and fight for it and challenge and, and learn as much as I can and, and figure that out. And you got Orla, who takes a, even another route and she's like, I'm just going to get away. I'm just going to, I'm not going to take a vow. I'm not going to, you know, try to do any healing or anything like that. I'm not going to try to fight the system. I'm just going to get away and try to, to find another way to, to seek light, not necessarily to seek it elsewhere, but to just see how to, how to bring it in from outside. Um, and I want to spend some time talking about Orla for a minute. Like in the 25 years earlier section, we talked briefly, you know, her instinct was asking her, was telling her to do something right to try to prevent um the death of Thandeka um at the end of the day like she thinks that if she had maybe jumped Isamer sooner that maybe everybody would still be alive and i think that there's some danger in thinking through what if scenarios like you're never going to find a way out of it you can't you know necessarily change anything like that but what do you think that that it, the force was asking her to do or that her instinct was asking her to do like to prevent that from happening um you know if she had not listened to the force and had, or if she had not listened to her master, listened to the, her training from the order, like, was she supposed to just take him out? Like, kill, like, I don't know. Like, like, what was she supposed to do in that situation, I guess? And would it have been right to do that? What do you think? And that's pretty hard to kind of nail down, but the conversation that we're having and the doubt that we're having and sitting here just, just trying to figure it out is something that she's had to deal with for 25 years. And it clearly still affects her yeah. deeply. Um, so I think that the conversation that we're even having now where we can't kind of nail down exactly what the Force is trying to get her to do is the struggle that she's had and all the way to becoming a Wayfinder. She's she's a, she's a character that I'm really interested to see going forward. Um, how, how she'll develop, um, how she'll continue to learn some of those lessons, um, I guess. And... I just, I thought it was really interesting. Like you, you could definitely see the more that she trusted her instincts, like to break the idols um, in order to like, when they couldn't release the barrier, the fact she's like, no, let's just blow it up <laughs> like that. Boom. Crazy. Uh, but she trusted her instincts enough to do something like that. And so I think that you can see her trust herself a little bit more. And that's, that's think, really helpful. Um, many of us would absolutely do anything we had to do to get a video game in the high Republic universe. Um, that follows like an yes. individual, much like Jedi Fallen Honor, follow Cow and, and Cow's story. I think it, if we were to control a Wayfinder, I think that that'd be incredible. Oh my so gosh, yes. If Respawn would you, could would take Orla like and all the story and we take the Lightseeker on for a journey, like, I'd be all for it and would throw my money at whoever created it. Truthfully, I would love a like a, a choose your destiny kind of uh, like. Uh, of story with her of you could play the game out several different directions you know much like you could with with kotor and and force unleashed in some ways you know like like let's see if we can change some of the endings here or something like that i would love that with her character yeah just um you take the light seeker and you go somewhere that doesn't really affect the overarching era like you can do anything with a wayfinder anything a literal let's, like <clears throat> let's set like, her up against the grisks <laughs> the way that with canon it'd be very it's very hard to kind of 
slot in a choice-based RPG. Right. And I think we, we all love Knights of the Old Republic, but there is a particular ending that is canon and there are endings that aren't. And, and it's much yeah. like the MMO and all these different choice-based games. But with a Wayfinder, you your story could fit into the canon because you just send her away, do your do her own thing. You could be like, this is me living my yeah. Star Wars story within the High Republic era. No bearing on any of the other characters. They might pop in and say something, etc. But like, you could do anything. Yeah, uh, I'm right there, right there with you. Let's do it. Let's let's who Lucasfilm listen to us. Do it. EA respawn. Whoever, just do it, please. Um, I love the uh the depictions of Comac that we're getting in the the art very different uh, and i agree with jared like it, i was not anticipating him looking like that in my head <laughs> um but now that i know i think it's going to help influence a little bit more of the story he he seems like a very grumpy old man now the flowing he? <laughs> locks of comac <laughs> uh that sounds like a sonnet get so, somebody i don't know some innocent bystander that he saved somewhere probably uh wrote wrote that the flowing locks of comac uh wrote that about him and they sing it much like they sing tunes in game of thrones am i right um you know that someone's just on on uh what's the what's the horse creatures from uh, last jedi why am i missing it um uh the racing on canto by the fathiers you know that someone's just like riding on the back of a fathier like across these great hillscapes singing the flowing locks of comac on their way to pass the time <laughs> hey, when when comac uh, becomes one of the last 20 he has a fathier farm and he just goes out there and he feeds them and he rides them over the the acres of his land <laughs> yes uh mike says he didn't expect comac to look like such a snack to be honest <laughs> agree yeah. agree yeah, he's, he's got a stud. he's got old man stud looks and we are not welcome in the sphere of his hotness <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not absolutely not adam i think there's only one more thing to talk about and that's our lord and savior geode how freaking cool was it that he saved the day? Oh my gosh. I I need him to do it Just more often. How? How? <laughs> Just <laughs> I love the fact that he did yeah. it, but like how? I need to know. Like this mystery yeah. for me takes over Yoda's and Grogu's species. I don't care about that anymore. I don't care about that mystery that's been with us for the last 50 years. I just want to know how Geode does what Geode does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alexander puts some a great little um, section in the chat. And if you don't mind, I think I just want to read it because it's uh, really but, good. But you have to um, read it here just... with a French accent. <laughs> oh, that's not happening. I'm sorry. I, I, I do not want to insult or demean anyone with my ignorant american version of a french accent um and i don't even know which dialect to put it in i i refuse i i humbly refuse but no he's talking about you know he's had a conversation um with magda life one of our our favorite utinians um and uh talked about how 
just some thoughts about Geode in general. Um, he says he's a freaking rock, and having him in this book is the most amazing, is most interesting narrative. It deals with a lot of things that are important for any minority, like whether it's based in your sexual orientation, religion, skin color. Like, not sure how to explain it, but he says he'll try. When the Jedi first meet him, they're like, that's a rock. And then Leox and Affy just dismiss that, like, yeah, so what? And after that, everyone has so much respect for him that they never doubt he is sentient or that he actually does all the stuff that Leox tells them. For all we know, Leox could have played a stupid game and tried to make them think a random rock was sentient, but none of the characters ever doubt him. Even though he doesn't take any real action in the story, he's just there. I mean, everyone respects that. And the fact that no one ever questions this is, I think, a lot of the importance in having Geode is about acceptance of who you are and also not being judgmental uh, judgmental about who the others are. Um, what do you think about that? I, I thought that's that's beautiful. Um, you know, if it, it doesn't matter, you know, even if even if Geode was just a rock, like just let Leox just have his fun, right? Like don't overthink it. Just but there's I think there's some value in um I don't know, some value in surprises, some value in placing value in other people's, you know, thinkings and, and belief systems and structures. I don't know, thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I really love that write-up. Um, and while you were reading it, you know, something popped up. I think that Claudia Gray added Geode because it's just a gigantic smack-in-the-face example of kind of don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Or don't judge a rock by being a rock. And <laughs> Yeah, And again, this is a young adult novel. This novel is meant to come with life lessons. And I think that for me, that is what Geode is, is don't judge a book by its cover. Um, like you have your preconceived notions of what this thing is, a literal rock right. sitting in the corner. But like you can do some incredible things and, you know, you can take that into your, your real life scenario is don't look at someone and just immediately come to a conclusion about them give them a chance and they might show you something truly special and i think that that's what geode is is that he is for younger readers to learn that lesson or even even older even older readers could learn that lesson quite frankly yeah for sure you know jared um says you know it's basically his takeaway from the entire um, new jedi order which is just learn some cultural relativity um i think that's right like give yourself like let people surprise you you know, have, have conversations, have dialogue. Don't, don't think too highly of yourself. Like let, let people, let people be, exist, learn from them, um, incorporate it into your own thing. Um, yeah. And I, I love that Comac was like, did I see that? Was that Geo? Did I see him there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, I don't know. It's cool. And I think with Reith, you know, there, we mentioned, I think it was last week, uh, maybe the week before, uh, where he was like, yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually hearing him like, or not hearing him, but I'm actually like sensing him in the force now. Like I can, I can tell that he's not just a rock. Um, and sometimes by trying to envision something that's not what you expected it to be, you can eventually get to where you're supposed to be. Um, and I think that's similar with the clones, right? You, you see Yoda, you know, talk about how the clones have their own unique markers in the force. Um, you know, they have their own personalities and characters and, um, you know, you can overlook that if you're not careful. And, and I think it's it's great that you even just bring up Yoda because we see Yoda as someone struggling in the original trilogy. And even at the start of the prequels, still walking around with a cane. And then 
all of a sudden, Attack of the Clones, literal cheering in the theatre because he's, out. Le- he's he's leaping he's leaping around. He's taking on a Dark Lord of the Sith. Like yeah. it's just crazy. Um, so again, yeah, we just just don't judge someone without kind of giving them a chance. And I think we were meant to be Wreath in this scenario because at the start of the book, Wreath's like, "Is this a joke?" Right. Um, like he, they, there is a scene in the book where we're like, and he's like us. It's like, "Is this a joke?" I don't get it. Yeah, right. <laughs> to to you know getting saved, um, and that's that was Geode and Reese journey. So that's I think that's in the end, like like I'll I'll bow to Geode and Geode's greatness, and he <laughs> is the second coming. But build a plinth like, in yeah. his honor. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, people have. Yeah, they people have. have. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first. So I think I think that's the lessons yeah to take with Geode, and I think. You know, to kind of close it out, I I think that there's this conversation, I think might be the actual answer to why can no Jedi cross the Kyber Arch alone. Um, and I, I don't know that the book necessarily executed it as well as it could have. Um, but, you know, for me, I think at the end of the day, you know, Comac says, because it's, it's about us more than it is about the individual. Um, and I think you know, why can no Jedi cross the Kyber Arch alone? And I think it's because every challenge has been faced before. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. Like, even if the details and the faces, you know, might be a bit different and, you know, the struggles are not new. Um, and I think, like, if we listen to, you know, the people around us, we read their histories and consider, you know, their actions and what's come before in our own struggles, I think we'll be better able to make difficult decisions, you know, to make some more principled stands um, and to brave more treacherous adventures. And I think that that's the point of, you know, Jorah's putting that question before Wreath. And then what Wreath learns in the end is it's cool that you read stuff, but you got to use it. And how do you incorporate the things that you've learned and look at all of these lightsabers that have built this arch and like there are stories there within them. Um, how did they end up here? Well, they died. <laughs> how do you not end up like that? You know, what what can we take away from that to to build on our own and being able to incorporate that? And I I thought it was beautiful. Um, I, I the first time I read it, I don't think I connected with that as much. Um, but this second more intentional read through, um, I think I appreciate it a little bit more. I don't know. I love this book. It's really good. Um, it's, it surprised me a lot and I shouldn't have been surprised. It's Claudia Gray. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was a great story, but, uh, for me, it's always a but, Timothy, always. but for me, like I, I, I will put stories like Bloodlines and, and Lost Stars, yeah. I think above this one. Yeah. And like, it's a great story. Um, I, I just don't put it on the same level as, as those two stories. And not that's nothing to take away right. from Into the Dark, but uh, yeah, that's 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 just me. I just uh, place it a little below some uh, Claudia's previous work. Yeah, and that's totally fine. Like we we've, mm. we've all got the things mm. that hit us the way that they hit us. Um, some people hate the new Thrawn novels, and I friggin' love them. Um, <laughs> some people love, you know, Mace Windu, and I just 
I might be getting there. And they're wrong. I, I might I might be getting there. <laughs> no, and, and of course you and would. That, that, of course you. And would. that's one of the beautiful things about you know about these books. And I think one of the things that I really love about doing this, you know, with you and Patrick every week, is because we do have very different takes on things. Um, and you know, we have mm. our own our different experiences, and we approach Star Wars sometimes a little bit differently. Um, and that's cool that we can we can do all that and have conversations about it and not, not tell each other hmm. that they're wrong, except for you for supporting Everton. But you know, other than that, I think we're good. See, see the shade that you just, we just did a whole podcast together one-on-one without coming to blows. And then you're like, no, I'm just going to throw a little bit of shade. I got, this is why you're, you're a terrible person. Huh? Just going to throw that out there. You're right. You are Jared's the Kimmel right. to my Matt Damon. You are the Kimmel. All right. <laughs> Getting up there on stage and just throwing shade. You realize, though, in, in that gif that you posted earlier this week, you realize that Matt Damon was the one wearing red for Liverpool. <laughs> and Patrick is just off yep. on the side. Ooh, this is a fun game. This is a fun game. So if Patrick okay, is, is the Ben Affleck, right? He's the Ben Affleck mm. to our Matt Damon, Jimmy Kimmel thing. If I'm Legolas yeah. and you're Gimli, who is Patrick in Middle Earth? Ooh. Who is Patrick? Yeah. People in the chat, if you know, throw out some options. We will entertain them and we will break this news to him next week. <laughs> Needs to be someone with some real randomness. Pretty really funny. Oh, he's he's the drunkle. You know that he's one of the one of the hobbits, right? He's yeah. He he is the drunk hobbit, the really drunk hobbit we see in the green dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and you're right, Mike. He did attack Arby's uh, fries last week. He he's like a mix between Mary and Pippin. Yeah, I think that's what I was going for. <laughs> that's what I was going for. That's he's a whole new character because no established character can fill in Patrick's right. spot. <laughs> right. Yes, uh, and Alexander definitely agrees. Patrick is a combination, either Mary or Pippin, or a combination of the two. Absolutely. And as he and as he said in Slack, he went to a what is to be probably a beautiful wedding today, yeah. and he forgot and got in trouble. So that is very Mary and Pippin. Very much so. <laughs> very much so. Patrick, if you're listening, we love you, bud. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, thank y'all so much for the fun this week, this whole month. Y'all have been an absolute hoot, um, and just. For, for loving the Conjure Book Club, giving us some love. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back next week with special guest Shale K. Bell to talk through Thrawn, Ascendancy, Greater Good, Chapters 1 through 7. The book drops on Tuesday. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday, the day that it drops, it's out today. So go get it. Find, find whatever store you need. If, if, you, if you want to give me a call and I can read you the first seven chapters. Actually, I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. But no, pick up the book as soon as you can. Pre-order at etini.com if you haven't already done that yet. Um, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at Conjure Book Club. I am on Twitter at underscore T Guthrie. Adam is at DarkStarAU. And Patrick is on Discord at Mac11. You can also follow the Utini Podcast Network account at Utini Network for updates on all of our shows, including exclusive Patreon releases. And if you want to help support the show, consider leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. It'll help people find us and hopefully join our incredible community. 
You can also pick up the books with, that we read on utini.com. Just look up the books you're interested in, click on one of our affiliate links on the book profile page, and you'll help keep us on the air and produce some more awesome content. You'll find links to Into the Dark and May's book, Thrawn Ascendancy, Greater Good, in the show notes and pinned to our chat in the Discord channel. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on Patreon or pick up some merch at utini.com forward slash merch. A special thank you to Sally and Chris Eilerson, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, and Freddie C. on our Alliance High Command Patreon tier, and Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council tier for their amazing support. And shout out to Adam for podcasting with me today. May the Force be with you, everyone. 